Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I'm awake in the middle of the night, my heart bereft for the people of Ukraine. Scrolling through Kem's Instagram feed, soothed and moved by photos of people who love their dogs and parents returning from military service surprising their children. And then a photo comes up of hundreds and hundreds of people crowded into a cold city street somewhere in Russia. The caption says, the breathtaking bravery of the Russians who know they'll be arrested for protesting this war and do it anyway. Tonight, there will be no more sleeping. I carry a talisman from the work of American poet Adrian Rich. It's always tucked into the back of my preaching notebook. These few lines from her long poem, Natural Resources. My heart is moved by all I cannot save. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who age after age perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. This is a sermon about spiritual courage. It is something to be unafraid in the face of fear, but spiritual courage is not fearlessness. Spiritual courage is taking action even when we're afraid. Spiritual courage is acting from deep conviction and everyday test of how we are growing our soul. Every day we make decisions about the lives we are living, the kind of life we want to lead. Spiritual courage asks, are we doing the right thing even and especially when it's the hard thing? Are our thoughts and deeds coming from love or fear? Love and fear, my friends, cannot coexist. In July of 1846, our Unitarian forebearer, Henry David Thoreau, was arrested for failing to pay a poll tax. That failure was a choice. Henry believed that the tax supported the Mexican-American War and the expansion of slavery into the American Southwest. He chose to spend a night in jail in the hope of raising awareness about the injustice of that war. This experience was the inspiration for his essay on civil disobedience, in which he argues for nonviolent disobedience to protest unjust government actions. 
It is said that he was mad as the devil when he learned that an unidentified woman had paid the tax for him so that he was free to go. What he didn't write about was his friend Ralph Waldo Emerson's visit to him in jail. The story goes that Waldo said to Henry, Henry, what are you doing in there? To which Henry David Thoreau replied, Waldo, what are you doing out there? Many days were proffered opportunities to test our character, including speaking the truth both to others and to ourselves, no matter what they think of us. Spiritual courage is drawing a bright line between what is acceptable and what is not. Sometimes spiritual courage means changing our minds, admitting we're wrong. Sometimes it means saying we need help. The question of spiritual courage is important to our spiritual practice for such a time as we might just need a lot of it. Just after midnight on April 15th, 1912, two boats received the unimaginable message that the unsinkable Titanic was going down. One of the boats, the Californian, was around 12 miles away and within eyeshot, a crew member informed Captain Stanley Lord that the Titanic was sending up distress rockets. Captain Lord chose not to act. He felt, he later said, that the hazard to himself and his command was too great to risk responding. A United States Senate inquiry concluded that such conduct, whether arising from indifference or gross carelessness, is most reprehensible and places upon the commander of the Californian a grave responsibility. Had he pushed through the ice to the foundering ship, the Californian might have saved many, if not all, of the lives that were lost. The second boat to receive the Titanic's distress signal was well over 60 miles or as much as four hours away. The Carpathia's wireless operator, Harold Cottom, had just sent a message to his counterpart on the Titanic, letting him know there were messages from shore waiting for his passengers. The response made his blood run cold. Harold Cottom raced up to Captain Arthur Rostron's cabin, ignored First Officer Horace Dean, and flung open the door in a wild breach of protocol. The Titanic has sent out a distress call, he said. She needs our assistance immediately. And Captain Rostron famously responded, Mr. Dean, turn this ship around. As the Carpathian raced towards the sinking Titanic, Captain Rostron ordered his crew to prepare to take on as many as 2,000 extra passengers. Designed to travel at a maximum of 14 and, or 14 and a half or 15 knots, the Carpathia was underway at 16 knots. The temperature on board plummeted as the captain ordered that the steam be shut off to every part of the ship but the engines in order to arrive more quickly. Lookouts were posted throughout the ship to keep an eye out for ice. Captain Rostron later said of this wildly dangerous undertaking, 
I believe some other hand than mine was on the helm that night. At about 4 a.m., when they finally arrived at the scene, the Titanic was nowhere in sight. Impossibly, the unsinkable ship was gone. And then there came a green flare from a lifeboat. Over the next four hours, the Carpathia navigated around the site of the wreck, collecting survivors. In all, 705 survivors were rescued, brought aboard, and taken to New York. Captain Arthur Rostron was awarded a Congressional Gold Medal by the United States Congress and knighted by the British Empire. Spiritual courage is not necessarily heroism, although that may be its fruit. Spiritual courage is the courage of conviction. Using language borrowed from Christianity to be possessed of spiritual courage is to be convicted. Christians use this word to mean that the Holy Spirit is working sanctification in the life of the believer. I use it to mean a feeling of being uplifted and upheld. To be convicted is being the right person at the right place at the right time. And to receive the torch or the cup as it is passed. Stories from the Montgomery bus boycott are stories of conviction. Recently, I got curious about the woman who sat down and wouldn't get up, wouldn't go to the back of the bus, not my hero, Rosa Parks, but another woman who did the same thing nine months before her, the one who didn't have the force of an entire movement behind her, her name, was Claudette Colvin. Claudette was 15 years old. It was Black History Month, and at her segregated school, she had been studying about Harriet Tubman leading more than 70 enslaved people along the Underground Railroad to freedom. And Sojourner Truth, a formerly enslaved abolitionist and women's rights activist speaking truth to power. This was 1955, a mere 67 years ago, and still 10 years before the end of Jim Crow. Both in and out of the classroom, Claudette learned and lived the daily indignities and injustices of segregation. On the afternoon of March 2nd, Claudette took her rightful seat on the bus. The bus driver called the police. She remained unmoved. My head was just too full of black history, she says. It felt like Sojourner Truth was on one side of me, pushing me down, and Harriet Tubman on the other side of me, pushing me down. I couldn't get up. Two police officers stood over her. Aren't you going to get up? One asked. No, sir, she answered. He shouted, get up. I started crying, she says, but I felt even more defiant. I kept saying over and over, it's my constitutional right. I knew I was talking to a white policeman, but I had had enough. 
One officer grabbed one of my hands and his partner grabbed the other and they pulled me straight up out of my seat. My books went flying everywhere. I went limp as a baby. I was too smart to fight back. They started dragging me backward off the bus. I just kept screaming, it's my constitutional right. It just killed me to leave the bus. I hated to give that white woman my seat when so many black people were standing. They put me in the back of the police car and handcuffed me. I started praying, reciting the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm over and over in my head, trying to push back the fear. At the police station, they booked me and took my fingerprints. Someone led me straight to a cell without giving me a chance to make a phone call. He opened the door, shut it behind me, and turned the key. The lock fell into place with such a heavy sound. It was the worst sound I had ever heard. I was trapped. Schoolmates who had been on the bus alerted Claudette's mother, Marianne Colvin, who called her pastor. Arriving at the police station, Reverend H.H. Johnson posted bail, and together they drove home. Coming over the viaduct into King Hill, Claudette Colvin remembers, Reverend Johnson said something to me I'll never forget. He was an adult whom everyone respected, and his opinion meant a lot to me. Claudette, he said, I am so proud of you. Everyone prays for freedom. We've all been praying and praying, but you're different. You want your answer the next morning. And I think you just brought the revolution to Montgomery. I tell you the story of spiritual courage because it is astonishing but also because it makes a huge difference to have role models. Eve Fogelman, author of Conscience and Courage, conducted research on rescuers of Jewish people during the Holocaust that revealed an astonishing 89% of rescuers had a parent or an adult figure who acted as an altruistic role model. One child of a rescuer who was raising money for the resistance spoke of watching her mother open a box that had been a wedding gift. It held 12 treasured place settings of silverware. She took out one of the spoons and I saw her hold it and weigh it in her hand, apparently far away in thought. Wouldn't you rather keep it, I asked and anxiously rated for her reply. Keep it, she repeated, after a long silence. The spoon was engraved with her initials. She looked at it and suddenly smiled as if something had occurred to her. Putting it down, she turned to me and took my hand. You must learn to understand that only what you give, you'll have. This is another lesson in spiritual courage. Role models, teachers, heroes, once you look for them, they are everywhere. We are called to join them and to be them, to hold up a mirror and take the measure 
of our souls. Beloved spiritual companions, Russian citizens pouring into the streets, knowing they'll be arrested for protesting the war and doing it anyway. Henry David Thoreau asking from his jail cell, what are you doing out there? Captain Arthur Rostron, Mr. Dean, turn the ship around. Claudette Colvin, with Sojourner Truth on one side and Harriet Tubman on the other, bringing the revolution to Montgomery. And the anonymous Holocaust rescuer teaching her child, you must understand that only what you give, you'll have. My heart is moved by all I cannot save. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who age after age perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. The words of American poet Adrian Rich. My heart is moved by all I cannot save. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who age after age perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. visit ASCBoston.org.
for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.